Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. From Weston Walker, thanks for joining us on Queen Sports City, Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be hanging out with you from 12 to 3 as we do every weekday. And we want to hear from you as we do every weekday from 12 to 3 on the FanDuel text line. Text us at 704-570-9610. 704-570-9610. I wanted to lead with a question that I asked Fiddy coming down the hallway because we had a video that, of course, we're dropping behind the scenes, letting you know what it's like. You can catch those videos on Wes's Facebook story, on our Twitter page. That's right. Wes and Walker. We were talking about us being a duo. Then we we're trying to figure out what basketball duo we were. Wes said, maybe we're Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball. Then I saw Fiddy in the hallway and I asked Fiddy, what would you be like if you were a basketball player? Now, I don't know Fiddy the person and Fiddy the radio personality, if they would be very different. JD or Fiddy, what basketball player would each of these guys be? You can help us out. What kind of basketball player would Fiddy be? What's the comparison? 704-570-9610. Oh, they're going to have fun with that. I know. That's exactly why I set it up. Put the <laughs> ball on the tee. <laughs> Hit it out of the park, listeners. But he wanted to go with white chocolate. I don't know if I look at Fiddy and see Jason Williams out there. Yeah, I don't know if I see that. Either. Especially the way that he talks about the game. He doesn't want any frills and... You know, as far as he talks about guys wearing That's wristbands right. and headbands and stuff. And, you know, white chocolate, you know, he didn't wear a ton of equipment, but his game was so saucy, Fiddy. And that's not the brand, especially based off the North Carolina team that you picked for our contest. That's just not the brand of basketball <laughs> I see you enjoying. <laughs> You're you like basic passes. Yeah, you want basic passes, one-hand dribbling, all that Dude, stuff. Dude, you, you, know? would, you would bench yourself if you were Jason Williams. You would have yourself run an extra mile after practice. Yeah, for a behind-the-back pass. Look, man, I just don't like the way I get disrespected. <laughs> you disrespected Fiddy, and now you're disrespecting JD. Uh, you, oh, no. You haven't seen the uh, the church league footage, man. I haven't. I, I had the shooting sleeve. I played with long socks. Oh. I, I had... I had some. Uh, I love that you wore long socks. Oh, yeah. I was I was that guy. I, get so. a, I could get a little socksy. I could. <laughs> Sexy Soxy. That's how, that's how I played ball. I used to love back in the day Lawrence Moten from Syracuse. He used to rock the knee-high socks, and they used to make me want to wear I think Kerry Kittles wore long socks, too. As if I didn't look slow already on the court, the long socks would do it. They would make me – it looked like it took forever for me to put one foot in front of the other. I'm telling you, me and Wes don't see eye-to-eye on some of the stuff that makes you look fast or slow. The black shoes <laughs> – black shoes – Make you look slower, especially if you're slow. Sometimes you're just so athletic where you can overcome it. Yeah. I was not. 
if you wear black shoes and long socks, you might as well just be standing in concrete with that already being set. Yeah, that's that's true. Black shoes and long white socks definitely <laughs> don't uh, mesh look. well. Did yeah. you do that, Finny? Is there a picture in church league of you going black socks, long white socks up to your knees? Not or in black church shoes, league. I mean? When I played, when I first played as a third grader, I had a pair of Nike shocks that were black, and I wore white long socks. Okay. So I started out very very rough. Myron Goodman writes it. Let's get, we got some great ones. You guys are delivering. Please continue to deliver on the FanDuel text line. I like Myron Goodman already. He's going Mark Madsen. Mm. My, my question is, does Fitty dance like Mark Madsen at the Lakers championship parade? 814 says Charles Barkley now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, I, I wish, is there, I wish there was the dot, dot, dot. I wish there was Charles Barkley. Oh, okay. Dot, dot, dot. You click on the text message now. <laughs> Mason from Masonboro. He says DJ Augustine and Adam Morrison. Not terrible. <laughs> Long career for Augustine and two-time champion in Adam Morrison. Oh, people are loving it. We love Got reading. Got a Chris Lang on here. You said you the Chris Lang of WFNZ. Please, Chris Lang couldn't guard me now. We talked about Chris Lang. We shared that moment yesterday. He actually has a gym in uh, Gastonia. We can put this to the test. I would I would love to because that man stood me up for a, a Four Corners podcast Here interview. Here it goes. Here it goes. Okay. I'd like to take him out there and you know remind what? him why he didn't go to the NBA. This is something that could be done. I mean, this he, he's got a gym. I actually contacted him uh, for some information about what he's got going on over there. Uh, I think he would like the publicity for his gym for us to uh, take you over there and see if you could make that happen. And we put it on social media. I think we might have a viral moment going here. I'm Man, down. The, the, okay. What? I'm going to hit him up. Wait, I'm sad, though. You, you do this with some of these old Heels players, man. Like, you do this with Ed Coda. And we shared moments yesterday on the Four Corners podcast. <laughs> and you just let me go because professional fitty. Mm-hmm. Wes, let me tell you, man. Very different. Driving. No cursing. Mm. No wildness. Just real even keel, and the the craziest he got, not even crazy, was just making like a, a couple of subtle jokes here and there. But that's it. Like very professional driver fitty. It is way different from what we've come to know him as here on the Western Wall. He's got to focus because he can't see when he's driving. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Can't afford to be too uh, you know, silly and jovial without uh, you know not being able to see very well. He drives the radio show like he does in the rain. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, he was good. This is uh, that's too far. That's too far. No, he did a very good job. I'm setting this up, Fitty. We gonna get this thing done. You, um, you versus Chris Lang. I, well, I want to move on, but I also want to read the excellent text messages that we're getting on what Fitty is like a basketball player. JJ, I caught a stray from JJ. He said, "I'm Byron Mullins." There are, a lot of, there are a lot of people that like Byron Mullins. I am one that continuously clowns go ahead, him. Go ahead and throw me in the mix, too. What what would I be? Let's you can, just get everybody. Get all three of the Kings. Which basketball players are we? Let's do it. Squirrel Meat Henderson says Fitty would be Daffy Duck from Space Jam. <laughs> we also had we have two Space Jam references because somebody else wrote in. I'm trying to give the guy credit. Somebody else wrote in Fitty would be Elmer Fudd from Space Jam. <laughs> Elmer Fudd about that action. He might not be the most athletic, but Elmer Fudd is about that action. I think he had a bucket during the Space Jam comeback against the Monstars. And if the game goes wrong, he'll pull out that ratchet now. Don't, you know, 
I believe they called it a blicky. Yeah, I'm going to pull out the blick. No problem. <laughs> Elmer Fudd. Now, he might get shot with his own blick, but Elmer Fudd was about it. You were right. I think he stung out, uh, stuck out his tongue like Michael Jordan in one of those comeback buckets. Yeah, he did. He did, yeah. So, Elmer Fudd, I, it was an insult, but now I think it's just an outright compliment. Yeah. Panthers PSL sucker says angry and unskilled, whatever that is. Then we have Beer Man and Belmont going way back saying Walt Williams, OG, long sock guy from Maryland. Keith Van Horn, people are writing that in. He was too, yeah. He, he is the poster child of the Long Sox. Yeah. I also, if I'm not mistaken, can we go real deep here and go Chris Gatling? Big, oh, okay. Big man for Dallas. Famous for getting banged on by uh, Sean Kemp. That's correct. And pointed at. I believe Chris Gatling. Oh, I got Charles Oakley. I got Derek Coleman. Everybody thinks I'm this mean, nasty. <laughs> SOB out there on the court. Is, that, that, that's a, a nice comp. And you would be correct. You love I it. am. I know you yeah, love yeah. It. it. They're they're great comparisons. I so so Fitty gets Elmer Fudd from Space Jam. Mm-hmm. I get Byron Mullins, and you're getting Charles Oakley. Like Pete, we know. All too well what people think about us now. Yeah. And really, it's more so me and Fitty. We're taking it on the chin. I just got a Kwame Brown from a 704 number. Oh, that's not walk. good. And somebody said, you're Mark Madsen. No. Fitty is Chris Kamen, and I'm Kwame Brown. <laughs> no, I'm Mark Madsen? Yeah, you got a Mark Madsen from 704 number. I love Wes being Kwame Brown. Yeah. I talk trash like he does. You, you stupid, do. dumb, oh, ignorant no, mug. No, but well, well, <laughs> got a little worried there. I don't. To be fair, and I, this isn't even anything against you. I don't know if anybody talks trash like him. Yeah, like he it's is. crazy. No, he don't give it to you until you get yep. at him. Please, you get at him. I, it's it's, it's completely random too. Yeah. If you he, it's almost like his spidey senses tingle. Is somebody talking trash about me? He will find you, and then he will do a whole live. He went it's, live like 18 months ago and buried everybody. Everybody yeah. in the world, man. I don't want that smoke from Kwame Brown. In his car. <laughs> I saw him work out at the Healthplex in Indianapolis one time with just some other random dude, and they were running full court, and I was like, I'll be damned. That's Kwame Brown. <laughs> and it was weird to see him working with somebody else. I wonder if they were trying out for the Pacers, but he was still in the NBA at that time. It was yeah. a long time ago. Little did I know, even 10-year-old Walker – I didn't want that smoke even then. I didn't know we had that much smoke to give. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't say anything to him. I saw Kwame Brown when I was, uh, when I just got to Florida. I was in summer school because you remember he was supposed to go to Florida out of high school and he was down there chilling out because he was dating one of the volleyball players. So, okay. He was in uh, Gainesville hanging out. And so I saw him. Oh, uh, we are getting a million more. Look, I'm sorry. This is just what the first segment has turned into. I apologize People for anybody that doesn't, I mean, the doesn't like this thing. Eldon Campbell. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Eldon Campbell is. I don't feel that. I, I don't feel a, that's Casey from Charleville right now. Got a Hakeem from Jonathan from Charlotte because of my good footwork. I appreciate you that. Dream. I, I love. Uh, I pretty. That's good. See, that, that's good, Fitty. That's a good one. You can absolutely go to the drums on that one. I got a lamb beer. I damn near take it. Please don't compare me to Anthony Mason, Union County Adam for off the court stuff. I don't want that comparison. Okay. Fitty got right, a lamb beer too. <laughs> Fitty got a lamb beer. You oh, guys yeah. both are getting Love lamb beer. We got lamb a tough beer. squad between me and Fitty. Fitty, a bulldog out there on the perimeter. Then you come down in the paint. I'm gonna put you on your back. We're not I, gonna lose a fist fight. We might, we might lose the basketball game, but we're not gonna lose the fist fight. I like 704 writing in. Okay, Walker, I'll give you Vlade Divac. It's like that's the best I can do. Why are I like Vlade, but Vladdy Daddy? That yes, Vladdy Daddy. It's amazing some of the Damn, ones so that you, you have. You got a Jed Bushler. Somebody 704 number gave you Jed Bushler. <laughs> I remember him. What did I, what 
But th- this is when it really hurts is when you go to their text history and they haven't texted at all before. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this person picked up the phone only to t- to compare me to Jed Butchler. Yeah. Does That's- that hurt worse than the Kyle Singler comparison? Though? No, nothing hurts worse than that. I know Kyle Singler was better at his time at Duke. I don't want to be compared. <laughs> you can talk about my mama. You can call me Tyrone Hill. You can call me Sam Cassell. Don't don't call me Kyle Singler. That's one thing I do not want. Primo's Breezek. I mm. like. I mean, original Bobcat. I got a Corliss Williamson. I like that big oh, nasty. Big nasty. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great radio name too. It is. It's the Big Nasty and Walker Show. Oh, dude, rebranding. I'm with it. Big I'll, nasty. Big nasty. Okay. I'm with that. <laughs> I'm probably going to call you that about 10 times today. Okay. Let's it's do it. It's probably going to happen. I'm here for it. All right. We keep on rolling here. Uh, I got Paige Stoyakovich. No, I can't shoot very well, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, was- 704 also says Walker just wants to be called Pistol Pete. I do. I do want to be called Pistol Pete. Somebody <laughs> with a little bit of flavor. I know I got it. Apparently, I have to be some white player. Like, we're not going to do cross-racial comparison, uh, comparison. So, I'll just take whatever the, the best white guy is. I'm, that's fair. But I couldn't shoot like Peja. I can't yeah, do that. Peja had a, he had a shot, for sure. He did. All right. Let's move on. Let's just go to the next segment, and then we can try to bring up some of this Hornet stuff. And then we're already off the tracks. But you guys liked it. So, all right, I need to move on before I get called Will Purdue again. That's it. We're done with this conversation. Will Purdue. No, no, you guys stop it. I'm not Butchler. I'm not Byron Mullins. I'm not Mark Madsen. I don't know why I'm catching all these strays. We move on to a different conversation immediately. It's the Big Nasty and Walker Show on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We've created a game on Wesson Walker where our listeners are going to Google, typing in obscure white NBA players, and then sending those into the FanDuel text line comparing me to said obscure white NBA player. Let's go to that text line, 704-570-9610. Weddington Matt, Walker is Cherokee Parks, English Paul, Walker is Matt Carroll. Hey, I'll take that because we interviewed Matt Carroll and we like Matt Carroll here. Union County Adam gave me the best compliment so far. Walker is Kevin McHale. I'll take that all day long. Amit said Walker is Walker Miller that played at UNC. (laughs) (laughs) Cherokee Parks had great hair. He did. And he was an NBA player. Yeah. I'll take Cherokee Parks too. Walker Miller, if he saw the court, it was basically victory formation on a basketball floor. (laughs) Walker Miller is a bad one. I'm getting plenty of tweets, whether it be from Amit or Panther Bo. We also have BV from Salisbury saying Fitty is like Philip Seymour Hoffman from Along Came Polly. Oh. Which, if you know the clip, that's the viral one that is always out there or the one that many people go to when people miss shots. And it's when he says, make it rain. And it's just a brick. <laughs> Didn't hit a shot. Ball hog misses every single one of those shots. I got Greg Paulus. CJ said, I remind him of Jake Lehman. Oh, I hated him. Yeah. It's like, I hate that I actually see that resemblance a little bit more. So that's what I don't like because I the can one see you it. Don't, 
want to come to grips with. Like yeah, but, that, right? right. But you see it. But I do. No, you 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 nailed it. Yeah. Um, what also was funny, <laughs> during the break, we were reading all of these text messages rolling in. And my favorite part of it was Wes continuing to read. He would go, oh, you got blank. And then it was he was saying, "Oh no, you got Greg Ostertag." <laughs> I know. Then I got a Ghana Jop from English Paul. I said, "I thought you loved me, man," but he said he loved uh, Ghana Jop. So uh, I guess I'll take the compliment. Yeah, but no, no, English Paul, you need to stop. But uh, Jop is not a compliment. It can't be. I mean, even Paul Silas wanted to destroy John Jop. It didn't work for him. Are you surprised that you did not get a Kevin Pitsnoggle reference in this? Ooh. Oh, it just came in. Did you see that beforehand? No, I did not. That's freaky because it just came in as you just said. Just came that. in. As you Are you said. playing a Oh, you got John Concat too, yo. Oh man, yeah. I, I was at least I got a big old contract, but I didn't deserve it. <laughs> Maybe a little Luke Longley for you, Walker. Oh no, somebody else. Well, said, then you're going on the No Bull tour. <laughs> that's right. I'm I'm tired of the way Michael Jordan addressed me. No more of this. I'm going on the No Bull tour. Final one. Somebody said Walker's not Tyler Hansborough. He's Ben Hansborough. Dude, ben was nice though. He led them to a number two seed in the tournament. A bucket. Ben Hansborough. A bucket. Not in the NBA. Didn't play like him. I played more like Tyler Hansborough. Just wasn't quite as good as at it. So I didn't. All right. The last one I was Junior County Adam. He wins for me because he said I'm Larry Johnson. I'm not going to dress up like Grandmama, but. I'll take the LJ all day, baby. You should have dug it on Locked On Hornets. We oh, can yeah? get you in a grandmama costume, right? That'd be hilarious. Uh, I don't know about that one. I would love to see it. <laughs> if Larry Johnson can do it, Wes, you can do it. And It'd then we could all love it. social media content, and we're all about the socials. That's true. We are all about the social media. All right, let's move on to the team that Larry Johnson used to play for. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. No, they don't have stars like LJ on the squad right now. And that means LaMelo Ball isn't playing. The injury report that was released yesterday Hornets said that LaMelo and Mark Williams both out for this game tonight against the Utah Jazz. But, Wes, I think a lot of people, we've been seeing this on Lockdown Hornets. I, I saw it when I was on with Ovius and Gilio. People are wanting to know, hey, with this All-Star break, get, can we just go back and try to figure out how the Hornets won three straight games? So the Hornets aren't good, but here they are with 13 wins on the season. It's pretty terrible. But that's after a three-game winning streak that they got to 13 wins on the season. How did they get there? It feels like people need a refresher. And so, Wes, I'm here for all of the jokes. I've talked about it a million times. Hey, Mitch Kupchak goes to Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall and says, what if we got real NBA players and put them on the bench? Would that work? I don't know. You want to try it? Sure. Sure enough, they win three straight games. Part of that is true. But mostly here, Wes, the reason they win three games is because they just needed capable bodies off of the bench, and they were able to parlay good NBA players, good enough, into more bodies. So you trade P.J. Washington for not only a first-round pick in 2027, which was the big acquisition that you made. You also get Grant Williams and Seth Curry. Both deserve to be in an NBA rotation. You trade Gordon Hayward for Trey Mann, Vasilya Micic. You also get Davis Bertans. All three of those guys are worthy of being in an NBA rotation. They just couldn't get any run for an OKC team that's battling for the one seed. Loaded, yeah. Loaded. So when you get all of those guys... You don't have to roll with a seven-man bench full of G-leaguers. Now you can roll with an eight-man rotation. Before I pass it to you, I want to read you this box score. With the Hornets having played Minnesota, they got the victory. The reason I choose that box score is because that's the last time Terry Rozier played here with the Hornets, and then they started to make moves. So I'm going to go to that Minnesota game and then compare it to the Memphis game 
once they had all of their new acquisitions suit up. Okay. The bench they had for that Minnesota game, Leaky Black, JT Thor, Nathan Mensa, Frank Nilakina and James Booknight didn't even play. They were DNPCDs. You also had a bunch of other bench players that came in that should have been in the G League. So, Leaky Black, Nick Smith Jr., JT Thor, Nathan Mensah, all coming off of the bench. None of those guys got any run once you had one game of availability for these new additions at the trade deadline. Once you go to Memphis and a win, Bertans, man is starting. Grant Williams, Michich, all of those guys are the guys that are suiting up. And then you get waves of Book Knight and Nilakina, not even on the team anymore. Nick Smith Jr. goes back to Greensboro. Leaky Black goes back to Greensboro. Nathan Mensa goes back to Greensboro. That's all you need to know on how the NBA, how the Charlotte Hornets became a better NBA team. It's the fact that you got new players, and they were worthy of being in a rotation compared to the other guys you used to No see doubt them. about that, too. And then you add in the fact of the unknown when teams coming in, not knowing how this team's going to play, what they're going to throw at them with the new pieces, and two, defensively. I mean, you look at the five games before – they got all of the new acquisitions in totally. And the least amount of points that you surrendered was 115. You got a 126 in there, 124, 123. But during a three-game win streak, they gave up 106, 102, and 99. So the defense got better and better over the last three games. And that's going to be the number one thing that I think that Steve Clifford is happy about, the defensive efforts. And we'll see if that continues uh, tonight against Utah. But that's the biggest thing that I see is that, you know, the defense has come – leaps and bounds uh, since everybody got here. And I think, too, so it's it's a combination of a little bit of everything, having some real pros on the bench, some savvy guys with high basketball IQs. They come to play, and that are professionals. They're all professionals. I also forgot to mention Ish Smith and Bryce McGowan's in that game, also not getting any run. And now here you have just a revamped bench that's really helping them. So if we also play more catch-up, not only do you have new players coming in off of the pine that help you out, but Brandon Miller has been excellent. If we want to continue to provide a refresher for Hornets fans that may have forgotten what happened during All-Star break, Brandon Miller continues to perform in any role you ask him offensively. LaMelo Ball goes to the bench. He's continued. He's hurt. He's out now. Maybe it's just one of those things where they don't want him to play a back-to-back, which is what they open up with. They'll play tonight against the Jazz. They also play again tomorrow. Maybe LaMelo just comes back on the second night of a back-to-back. Makes sense. Hopefully he comes back, period. But when he does, that's going to shift this guard rotation. The thing that we can feel good about, Brandon Miller is going to ball out no matter what you ask of him. Because we saw Brandon Miller in this role at the beginning of the season when they had LaMelo and Terry. Brandon was playing more off ball, and it took a little while. Like Sometimes he would have some bad shooting nights, but he always made the right play. And then when LaMelo went out, West, the usage percentage... It was up there with probably like second-tier guys. If first-tier guys are what you think of of Jason Tatum, Russell Westbrook with his OKC days, James Harden just putting together a ridiculous usage percentage season, Brandon Miller is probably in that second tier. But he was putting up like 90th percentile type numbers as far as how much he had the basketball in his hands. And he was balling. He was efficient. He was making the right reads. Defenses had to make sure they accounted for him and he dictated the coverage to where it opened up lanes and opened up opportunities for everybody else. And so now it doesn't matter what you ask him to do for you to be that versatile as a rookie basketball in your hands, playing off ball defensively, 
He's playing great team defense. He can get bodied, you know, going up against somebody man to man, but he's also not experienced a full year in an NBA weight training program yet. Yeah, man, that's the other thing. If you need to be caught up on, go ahead and watch some footage on Brandon Miller and expect more good things to come. Yeah, and they hit on him in so many ways because not only did you get the talent, but you're getting leadership in this young man. You're also getting uh, a tenacity in him and a high basketball IQ. He may not have it all down yet, and he's not supposed to have it all down. Nobody thought that he was going to be this good this quickly. And for the month of February, he leads all rookies in points per game, field goals made per game, and three-pointers made. Uh, per game he's having a hell of a month he's averaging 24 points this month so we'll see if that magic can continue for him but this is a guy that you have to be excited about with this franchise because in a season to where things were looking bleak and guys are always hurt and your main superstar you know let's just be honest here seems to always be hurt this draft pick was met with uh it was very polarizing because again you don't get Wimby so there's that but then we had the Scoot and Brandon deal. And then once he gets drafted, you got people in the camp of still thinking that they should have drafted Scoot. And then you got people who wanted Miller. But now he's come in and really, to me, solidified himself as the guy that the Hornets should have taken. And the fact that the Hornets have potentially uh, another star in this mix that brings something different to the table and brings a mentality that you want to build upon in this franchise is you're building a new culture. And that, to me, is the biggest hit of them all, not only the talent, but you've got a rookie that's going to embody what you want to be going forward. That's right. That's right. Myron Goodman is already on the text line amongst so many other Hornets fans asking, is it okay to call this Brandon teams right now? Myron says, I'm ready to call this Brandon Miller's team right now. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% there. But it goes back to what you were saying. He's showing all of the skills and the type of play that leads you to believe it. Intangibles and intangibles, yep. It might. It just might. In fact, it's probably expected from most people. If you don't want to say that now about Brandon, it's just because he's a rookie, which is good enough reason to say that he's not here yet. But what? Third year in the league, at least, maybe second, who knows, but third year in the league, we have to see LaMelo continue to stay healthy. Remember, even if LaMelo is young, maybe some leadership qualities, vocal leadership qualities come alongside him as he grows up, as he gets older. People mature at different paces. Maybe LaMelo is maturing at a different speed than what Brandon Miller is, and maybe LaMelo does see a different type of glow up in that regard next year. Because now now you don't have Terry to look to, right? Like, now you don't have Gordon Hayward. I don't even know how much you look to him anyway, but now you don't have Gordon Hayward to do it. It's a different basketball team. That core was in place for a long time. Terry was here before LaMelo. Gordon Hayward was here at the same time as LaMelo. When you don't have those guys to rely on at all, like, you don't have them as... Not not that you were looking for them to provide this cushion, but you could look to them and say, hey, what y'all think? Like, I'm 19. I'm 20. Y'all are 26, 27, 28, going up to 30. Y'all got any answers on this? You don't have that anymore. So I wonder if that provides this you know, growth in LaMelo for where he maybe takes on that role. Brandon doesn't need it, though. It doesn't seem like he needs it. And so we'll see if he does become that guy. Speaking of that guy, Brian Burns, with the Carolina Panthers, they got to figure out if he's their guy as that star edge rusher. That's been the main topic of discussion for quite some time. Joe Person wrote an article on The Athletic doing a great job of breaking down all of the questions you might have. And here's something that we didn't get to yesterday, Wes, but we certainly have talked about it in passing, indirectly. Brian Burns came in 
and reportedly wanted $30 million before next season started. He wanted that per year. Don't know about the guaranteed money. Don't know what else he wanted contractually. But it feels like, according to Joe Person yesterday, the Panthers were willing to come up to $27 million annually. While Brian Burns wanted 30 they couldn't agree on it. And so here we are, where he'll probably have the franchise tag placed on him. Do you think that Brian Burns overvalued himself compared to his type of production last year? Do you think that it was a mistake in how Brian Burns handled this? What are your thoughts on the overvaluing? Uh, I do not think that he overvalued himself. I think Brian Burns understands the position that he plays and what a premium it is. And again, we always go back to the Rams trade offer. We can go back to the trade deadline for the teams that were uh, trying to get his services, whether it was the 49ers or the Ravens or any of these teams that were looking at Brian Burns. He's a coveted guy. And I think that for the people out there, and the thing I want people to understand is that you guys – try to equate production with pay, and it doesn't work like that all of the time. We see so many players, no matter what the sport is, that get overpaid, and that is not the production that we feel like a guy should be, uh, that a guy should have based on what they're getting paid. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that if you put a guy with his age and with his production thus far, you're talking about a guy that's 25 years old, Uh, He possesses a lot of the skills that you're looking for. We talked about pass rush win rate. He's got 46 sacks in his five seasons. And so there's always a coach. There's always an organization out there that will say, we can supply him with better resources. We can put him in our system. We can put him in our scheme and get more out of him than what they did. And they will pay for that because there will be another team that will say, oh, you want him? Well, we want him too. Oh, you want him? You want him too? We want him too. And that's how it works. And that's why I think he did not undervalue himself because he knows if he hits the open market, he would get close to, if not the number that he's seeking. Again, it's not saying that he's Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett or any of these guys. The production, it does not compare to those guys. But as far as what an organization is going to look at is his potential. They're looking at the age And they're saying that if we put this guy in our system, he can get that 15-sack mark. He can get maybe to 20 sacks because that's just how they think, whether it's delusional or not. And you will have multiple teams that will feel that way, and his paycheck is going to reflect that. I totally agree with you, and that's how it's been. Where you are in the hierarchy of your position doesn't always equate to you being the exact place you fall on the pay scale. Ed Rusher's kind of worked itself out that way, though. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's always like that. I'm with you. It doesn't mean that Brian Burns is going to fall. Oh, well, we would think you are the seventh best pass rusher. We're going to pay you only like the seventh best pass rusher. I'm not saying that's how teams are going to operate, but it kind of has worked out that way. Nick Bosa, maybe the best pass rusher, top paid guy. TJ Watt, more sacks than anybody like the last three, four years. Second bay, uh, second highest paid pass rusher. Miles Garrett, he's fourth. Joey Bosa's third. And so, yeah, there are a few outliers in this situation, but three of the top four, I think, are actually the top three edge rushers in today's game. Mm -hmm. You want to bring Micah Parsons in. Well, okay, that's true, but he hadn't gotten paid yet. Mm -hmm. He'll be up here. Micah Parsons will be number one. Yeah, he's going to be number one. I think so. He's going to pass Nick Bosa. So once you get that, I mean, even Max Crosby got 23 and a half annual, and Brian Burns is going to pass him, but... It's kind of worked itself out that way. I'm with you, though. I do think that Brian Burns is going to get, I mean, he'll get 27 elsewhere. If Carolina really isn't, want to pay, isn't wanting to pay that much, 
or 30 million, I should say, like he'll get 30 somewhere. I do think that one team is willing to give him 30 million. I don't think 32. Yeah. I don't think it'll get to 34. I don't, so I don't think it'll get to Nick Bosa, but I do think he'll get 30 million elsewhere, and that will be yeah. the agree. Uh, because a big case you point. can look at too, a, a very comparable situation I, I can look at is Montez Sweat. You look at his average year, average per year, it is 24.5. And he got 41.9 guaranteed with a 98 million total value. He has one double-digit sack season in his career. Now, if you count this season, he had 12 and a half with two different teams. But he's got 41 sacks in six seasons. And so this is the guy that you look at and you see where he's being paid. Well, certainly, you know, Brian Burns is going to eclipse what Montez Sweat got. The only thing I, I could see teams putting up a brick wall a little bit, they could they could maybe go to the Miles Garrett, Joey, uh, the the – the TJ Watt thing and say, Hey, you're not as good as these guys. We're not going to pay you that, but that ain't how football works. We know the top guy at the top of the market more than likely resets the market. Brian Burns has been a multi-time pro bowler uh, at this point. And so, uh, or he's been a pro bowler at this point. And so I think that there are going to be some teams that are going to be willing to do that because it's going to be a bidding war. The bidding war is going to drive up the price, not, not necessarily the production. It's going to be the bidding war. If he were to hit, the free agent market teams trying to secure this guy. It would be, in my opinion, four to five teams that would be in the in the mix to try to get Brian Burns if he hits the free agent market. One more moment, or one more thing, I want to hit on with Brian Burns. It, it just it's you can make a case either way very easily, which leads this to be a very polarizing decision amongst the Panthers fan base because we can go to the text line. Real Tar Heel writes in. So should we pay this hype man because I don't see the production, not just as a pass rusher, but as an edge setter either. Then Wolfpack Woody writes in, Brian Burns' production went down because teams were ahead and running the ball, less passing downs, less sacks. Carolina B in Harrisburg writes in, when you're losing every game, the other team can just run the ball and your defensive ends don't get sacks. That's true. That's true. That happened a lot to Carolina. I think John Ellis put it well when he put this stat up there. He said, unsure if this is common knowledge. You can find him on One Panther Place on Twitter, by the way. Burns finished 2023 with 379 pass rush reps. That's the second lowest of his career and the lowest since his rookie season. Burns generated a sack once every 42 pass rush snaps. That was ahead of guys like Bosa, Max Crosby, Hassan Reddick, Aiden Hutchinson. Now, there's one way to look at it, because those guys are clearly very good and deserve all of the money that they're getting. Hutchinson will get that once he gets off of his rookie contract. So then you hear that, you think, okay, so that's better than some of the other star edge rushers? Cool. But then you start to rank that against the other edge rushers. He's somewhere in the late teens. The advanced metrics like him in a lot of different areas. Some of the traditional stats don't. It is weird. It's like a little Julio Jones is not having enough touchdown receptions, but we still know how good he is. It's one of those weird things where Brian Burns is a good edge rusher. He's not Julio Jones within his category, but it's this weird thing where, okay, we all know Julio is fantastic, but he wasn't getting these touchdown receptions. Part of that was because they're double teaming Julio. There weren't enough weapons that you were worried about in the red zone as much, and those things are just fluky anyway. Sacks are kind of fluky sometimes. Derek Brown is the only other guy that you have to worry about, plus Carolina's losing all the time in the fourth quarter you're never playing with the lead when teams have to throw. So you don't get those opportunities to make the big play that we covet so much, that we want and desire so much. He didn't have those opportunities in the fourth quarter. 
Like, we can't go to a play last year and say, man, Brian Burns really stepped up when the Panthers had the lead and that other team was driving. He said, nope, no, thank you. You're not coming back. He wasn't given one snap of that type of opportunity. And so that has to matter when we're having this conversation. Any last thoughts before we move on? because I also, too, want to bring up the fact that people also discount the tackles for loss. And that's also something we have to look at. It's not just about the sacks. So if you want to compare the last three seasons – Brian Burns' tackles for loss have been 13, 17, 16. Nick Bosa's has been 21, 19, 16. So that's also a sign of a big-time disruptor. You guys can't just look at the sacks and say, oh, well, he doesn't compare to those other guys because tackles for loss, it isn't college football where your sacks and tackles for loss count as one. He's also making plays in the run game and shutting things down as well. And the quarterback hits are up there with anybody as well. He's got 95. Now, Nick Bosa's got a a ton. But 95 uh, is a lot. But I think people also need to factor in the tackles for loss. He had one less tackle for loss than he had this year. So if you want to bring the run game into the argument and say how much teams are running the football, he had 16 tackles for loss. I think I'd sign up for that for a guy on the edge. I would too. Let's move to the NBA player beef that's going on in the association. J.J. Redick versus everybody. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Uh, I'm working on a player hater tribute against myself because there are still a lot of people writing in what NBA player, college basketball player I remind them of, and people are really just sticking with the white comparisons. So let's just lean into it, man. Y'all ain't going to make the cross-race comparisons. Let's just stick to the white guys that sucked in the NBA. That's what people are comparing me to. What made me laugh and bring this up again is because I saw somebody write in, Walker is Tyler Lydon. Good God. Tyler Lydon. Like, he wasn't bad at Syracuse. Yeah, he has some big games. I mean, it's just like, we're going deep. (laughs) I haven't thought about Tyler Lydon since he was drafted. That was the last ever time. I mean, it's been years and years since I thought about that guy. Now here I am being compared to him. Fiddy, when you saw that, you had to have something. Like, there's no way you thought about that guy within the last year or so. Yeah, no, I haven't thought about him. And what about, and I might butcher his last name, former Syracuse big Merrick Dolajay. Dolajak? Dolajak, yeah, Dolajai. I remember him. Yeah. No, it, was, it was not. Yeah, I do remember Dolajak. M- remember him? Dude, he was, I mean, we talk about a pain in the butt Syracuse guy. Yeah. Like, he would shoot like 32%. Then he saw that Carolina bloop, nah, seven for 10. Every time. Syracuse has weird random players that I actually really liked. Syracuse was a weird team for me in general because I liked a lot of their players, but I could not stand Jim Beheim. CJ Fair, loved him. Beheim, nope. Orenze Onuwaku, just a linebacker out there in the post. Jim Beheim, nope. Brandon Trish, all right, I'm done. We can't do this game. I can do this game all day. I did it on Four Corners Podcast. Allow me to live in nostalgia. You can go listen there. Four Corners, anywhere you get your pods. And go to WFNZ.com. Screw that. Go to WFNZ.com and then click on the Four Corners pod. I want to talk about this NBA player beef turned analyst between J.J. Reddick and Let's Pat talk about it. They both have podcasts, Wes. Every player has a podcast. 
And some of these are pretty damn good. Old Man in the Three from J.J. Reddick, a top 20 sports, not basketball, top 20 sports podcast, according to the Apple rankings. Pat Bev is on the mic quite a bit. Podcast P, very good. Enjoy listening to some of the Paul George stuff. But J.J. Reddick called out Doc Rivers earlier this week when Doc Rivers said we had guys playing in Cabo and we had guys that were there in Milwaukee when they lost big, I believe, before the All-Star break actually took place. Here's J.J. Reddick talking about Doc Rivers never being held accountable. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no, there's never accountability with that guy. My favorite Twitter meme that is going around is Doc Rivers having said him. He says it this way. Doc Rivers told Kawhi Leonard when they traded SGA for Paul George, they included him in the package. Hey, look, I don't know if you want to trade SGA. He's going to be really good. It might take a year or two, but man, I don't think you want to trade Shea Gilgis for Paul George, I'm not sure you want to do that. Everybody is laughing at it because this is the classic GM who did. This is Matt Rule talking about Brock Purdy. Hmm. Doc Rivers is telling you he saw this all along with SGA and he tried to tell Kawhi Leonard, but no, Kawhi wasn't having it. And they were just going to trade for Paul George. And so now the memes are like Doc Rivers tried to warn the Jedi about Anakin Skywalker. That one is fantastic. Look, I try to, I know, you know, I know about the midi-chlorian count. I get it, but some doesn't sit right with this guy. He's got a lot of anger with him. I'm just saying, watch out. That's what's going on. So J.J. Reddick calls out Doc Rivers for just never being accountable, and he has been memefied like five separate comments. He's been on a roll here since he's been the head coach of Milwaukee. So then Pat Bev called him out. J.J. responded. But even Doc Rivers' son, Austin Rivers, called him out on NBA Today and said, I'm not sure why you're criticizing my dad like this. First off, I don't feel responsible to take off for my dad. He's a grown man. He could do his own thing. Uh, but in this regard, I just simply don't agree with it. Um, for someone who's not accountable, he seems to always be held responsible, considering he's the guy that's always fired when things don't <laughs> go right. He got fired in the bubble uh, for a 3-1 lead versus the Denver Nuggets, which in half his team didn't want to be there. They had players saying that their mind wasn't there. He had guys leave. That happened. Then he gets fired for losing to a team that was favored over him, which was the Celtics last year. Um, it seems like he's always responsible. It's just it's strange coming from J.J. And I have some love for J.J. You're my dookie. You know that. You're my bro. I love you. Um, it's just your best years were with the Clippers. I don't think he saved your career. I appreciate you, Pat. But I don't think it – I mean, I, this just seems a little bit weird. They're, they're three and seven. Dame's missed most of those games. Middleton's missed a lot of those games. They haven't even had their full team yet. We'll see what happens. The pressure is there. They do have to perform. But in terms of accountability, like, what, what are we doing here? Your best years in the NBA were when you played for him in the Clippers. What do you make of J.J. Reddick's comments? What do you make of the response from Pat Bev saying Doc Rivers was responsible for reviving J.J. Reddick's career and then the response from Austin Rivers? Yeah, I mean, I agree with J.J. on this because J.J. has been backing up everything that he said thus he has far. Been. I mean, he's been hitting everybody. After Beverly tried to come back and say he got cooked by James Harden, he hit him with the numbers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a big Pat Beverly fan. 
anyway. I think he talks way too much. And so uh, then he came and shut him down. And so as far as what they're saying, listen, man, Doc Rivers' reputation in the NBA is what it is. He blows 3-1 leads. He's done it with several teams. After a while, like I said, yeah, you might have different circumstances with different players, but at the end of the day, he's the head coach. And the problem is, is that he's looked at as some type of savior for franchises or uh, a coach that's this big, like he almost gets treated damn near like Phil Jackson. Like people think when they bring him in, oh, now they, they find him. We're going to go get Doc now. It's about to be on. We're about to get a championship. And he has one ring uh, with one of the best teams ever, The probably the original big three that he had in Boston. And he's been living off the reputation of that ever since then. Uh, where I'm going to give Doc Rivers his credit. He is a really good basketball coach, and I'm not going to say any coach could have won with the Celtics. I don't I don't like when people necessarily do that. But at the same time, he hasn't done anything since then, and he's had some of the worst meltdowns and failures in the playoffs. And, yeah, that's going to lay at the feet of the superstars of that team and to the head coach of said teams. And so Doc is and, – and he's just got to accept the rep. And, yeah, I've never really heard him post-game take – uh, accountability for himself being a huge reason why or being a part of the reason why that his teams are ousted from the playoffs or the reason that they lose leads because he also has a reputation for not adjusting. We've heard Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas ripped him. Yeah. Nobody had any smoke for Gilbert Arenas when he said it. I think people were trying to pick at J.J. because J.J. wasn't necessarily an all-star caliber player. And it's on first take, and yeah. so it's on a bigger – and not to say yeah. Gil doesn't have one, but first take is Yeah, the, is and Gil's doing one. numbers, but nobody yeah. – Pat Beverly wasn't coming running his mouth to Gilbert Arenas when Gilbert Arenas ripped him a new one, and neither did Austin Rivers. So I think they're just trying to give J.J. a hard time because he wasn't necessarily an all-star caliber player, but, but JJ's good. been coming yeah. with receipts for everything that everybody's been saying. He sure has, and this is the thing, too. I, I want to get to the other comments from JJ. Maybe we can do that a little later on. This feels like a show that's constantly backed up because people are making fun of me as a basketball player. I'm kind of here for it. But with <laughs> JJ Redick, when he is telling you that Doc Rivers isn't accountable, remember, JJ Redick did play for Doc Rivers, and so I do think that means more. Like, we've never heard about real beef between these two guys. Yeah. It's not like, oh, man, J.J. and Doc Rivers have always had this terrible relationship anyway. And so J.J. just just saying whatever he can to go against this dude. No, we haven't heard this well-documented public outrage against one another. And so when J.J. says something like this, who's more of a basketball teacher, X's and O's guy, he'll he's starting to flirt with the take world as he goes mm-hmm. on first take and will tell you some of this stuff on Old Man and the Three. But still at heart, he wants to... He wants to showcase Zion Williamson as a ball handler and how they're running different actions from him being the lead guy. He is the one trying to tell you more about that than call out the coaches because drama is what people just inherently want to seek out more. That's why I think you actually have more power with this because J.J. played for him, man. And then we see it. I know Ben Simmons is what he is. I get it. Doc Rivers didn't have any problem throwing him under the bus. Right? Like, we saw that in Philly. We see it here in Milwaukee. He's saying, I don't know why you're doing this. Hiring me to coach this team? I told him. I told those owners in Milwaukee not to hire me. But he took the bread, though. (laughs) Sure did. Sure did. Somebody else's fault, man. I'm with JJ. I'm with JJ on this. Let's move on. We have a couple more hours to go. Let's go back to college athletics. It's the campus. Kona. Kona. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.